And next week, uh, my wife will be going through her third round of chemo, and it'll be the tough weekend, so I'm going to be at home with my bride. And uh, Mark will be launching the New Year with the New Year's message. But um, it'll be part two in this new series that we're launching right here. So look, you guys got in on, you guys got in on something, right? So let's pray over this new series, and I pray it really, really transforms you from the inside out and me as well. Lord, you are the teacher. Holy Spirit, you are the one who gives revelation and understanding. We don't know what we don't even know. But you know everything, and you're here. So, Jesus, we don't want to start this new teaching series without the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we welcome you. And we come as little children learning from our Master. Jesus, teach us and lead us into this new year. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So I have a question that launched this new series. What, how would you, we're going to leave that for just for a second, just before we go into the next slide. How would you define Christianity? So it's a question for you to think about, and then just shout out your answer. Somebody said, what's the definition of Christianity? What would you say it is? Unconditional love, being God's kid, relationship, freedom, eternity. What's that back there? A little Christ. Yeah, that literally is true, but you better be careful with that because that can be misinterpreted. But you're right. That's exactly what Christian means is a little Christ. Just clarifying, you're not the son of God, right? Just want to make sure we're on the same page. All right, good. All right. Oh, and that's our worship pastor, too. So I need to be doubly sure that we know what he's actually saying. Sometimes the glory can go to your head, you know what I mean? And then you end up. I believe this. I believe Christianity can be boiled down to two words. Following Jesus. I mean, this is what the disciples did. I mean, ones that, ones that work as a tax collector, ones that work as a fisherman, a couple other guys are fishing, and Jesus just walks by and he says, follow me. And they drop everything and they start following him. That is Christianity. Following Jesus wherever he goes and doing whatever he says. You can't go wrong as a, as a believer if that, is your, if that is your assignment in life and that is your uh, destiny is following Jesus. Then you are always going to be right where Jesus wants you to be. And here's the, here's the reality. This life can be so confusing. For centuries, mankind has been asking these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Are you following me back there? These questions have been asked from the beginning of time. Who am I? Why am I here? How did I get here? Where am I going? Philosophers have been trying to solve these questions for centuries since the fall of Adam and Eve. And Jesus erases them and simplifies all these questions down to two simple words. Follow me. Do you know what Jesus calls those who are not following him? 
Well, they said it. Lost. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus literally defines the human being, the individual who is not following him, lost. You know when they uh, climb the Himalayas? Do you know that they hire guides, right? Sherpas. And sometimes they tie a rope to them. Because you get up into the Himalayas, if you don't have a guide, you don't have somebody that knows the terrain, you're not coming back. It's kind of like me taking Sam and Josiah to Target Christmas shopping last week. I mean, I, you know what I thought about? This is going to sound horrible. It wasn't child abuse. Just relax. Miss Brenda, I have a picture of her. Used to have four leashes that she had on the four younger children when she would take them for walks. And you would have two. Because you don't, I mean, it's, I mean we, took, we took the whole family to the beach one day. And, I mean, we had one adult to every child. But the beach was crowded. And my, my, my mom, she's not here. And, Mom, if you're listening online, don't get into guilt, please. Just, you're forgiven. Okay, so, she had Sam. Well, Sam, Sam had her. And, I mean, she, we, we have their hands. I mean, every adult to a child. And she let go just for a second. And she got a shell of something. She looked up, and Sam was gone. And, I mean, we looked for him for 20 minutes. you know how scary that is for a parent? And you've got a couple hundred thousand people on the beach. I mean, I am running all over the place. And for 20 minutes, I mean, the, the terror that grows and grows and grows and grows inside the heart of a parent is a fear unlike any fear I've ever personally experienced before. I finally ran all the way down to the pier. I'm talking about a couple hundred yards down the beach. I mean, he's only this thin and this tall, right? I mean, how in the world did he get so far so fast? And I run into this couple that have Sam. I said, how did you find my son? They said, well, we thought it was just a little strange seeing a little skinny Vietnamese boy running down the beach all by himself. (laughs) Something's not right about that. So we just grabbed him and waited for somebody to show up and claim him. So, you know, I have these guys at Target, you know, and I'm telling them, stay near me. Stay right with me. And I'll turn around, I'll look at something, i look back, and there's Josiah going down to the toy section, you know. He's wheeling down. I said, Josiah, don't look at the shiny objects. And, of course, Sam's over here, I'm sorry, in the brawl and underwear department, looking at the brawls and giggling. I'm like, oh, my gosh. If you don't know my children, these are our two adopted children, and uh, they're, they're awesome. I'm taking them to Star Wars this afternoon. It's going to blow their minds. It's going to blow their minds. Stick right with me. Stay near me. You'll get lost. When you and I don't follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we will get lost. This world is too chaotic, too confusing. We think we know and we don't. We don't even know what's going to happen right now. We don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. We certainly don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we don't know what's going to happen after we die. We really don't. But Jesus does. Bob Dylan said you're going to serve somebody. And the truth is you are. There's only a few choices you have of who you're going to serve or who you're going to follow. 
Here's a handful of choices. This is all you get. One, you can follow yourself. And that's a disaster. There was a guy who was very wealthy in the Bible. Jesus told this parable. And he yielded great crops, filled up his barns, and then he had a surplus. And he says, what am I going to do with this surplus? And he says, I said to myself, soul, you have done so well for yourself. Soul, I know what you should do. Build bigger barns so you can hold all the rest of your stuff. And that's what he did. He consulted himself and he gave himself over to materialism, just accumulation of stuff. That's where we end up. Accolades and accumulations and applause of people and accomplishments. And we think that's what life is all about. And Jesus says, beware, lest you gain the whole world and lose your soul. And so Jesus said, you fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you. And now whose things are those? Following yourself is a big mistake. You don't know enough. Or you can follow another person. Which, again, they don't know any more than you do, really. Maybe in this area, in that area, they might have a little more expertise. You follow them a little while. You model yourself after them. But you've got to be careful about their value system. And the reality is they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow either. You could also follow the world. And this is a real temptation. Real temptation. The world's philosophy, as the Bible states, as the Apostle Paul says, the world says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And the truth is, tomorrow we may die. And the Bible says every man and every woman lives one time, no reincarnation, lives one time, and then the judgment. And there's two judgments when you die. One is the white throne judgment, and that is being judged for your sins. Because a holy God cannot just say, ah, that's no big deal. How would you like it if an earthly judge, somebody does a heinous crime against somebody that you love, and the earthly judge says, eh, don't worry about it. I just pardon you. You know, when the governors pardon people, I mean, can you imagine being the recipient of of, you know, uh, a heinous crime, and, and then the person gets pardoned by the governor. Yeah, we expect God to do that. He can't do that. He's a holy God. That's why he sent his son, and Jesus took the judgment of our sin upon himself. That's what that was. God loving you and I so much that he poured his own judgment upon himself in the form of a human being, Jesus Christ, so that you and I could have free forgiveness. So there's the white throne judgment for those who have rejected Jesus. They have to pay for their own sins. And then there is the beam of seed of Christ. That, is the, that's, that was uh, taken from the uh, Roman Olympics in the award ceremony. Every single day that you live is a day to serve Jesus Christ with your time, treasures, and talents. And every minute you give to him, every dollar you give into the offering, every act of service you do for Jesus, every time you pray for somebody, share your faith with somebody, do an act of kindness in his name, Jesus is going to reward you in heaven. There is a reward ceremony in heaven. Did you know that? That's why every day that you don't spend your time, talents, and treasures for Jesus is a wasted day. But you see, the world won't say that. The world will say, that's not true. Let's just go party. And that's the way I used to live. Thank God I got saved early on so that I didn't waste the next 20 or 30 years living for myself and living for the world. I thank, thank you. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for calling me when you did. Because you and I both know uh, it was not going to end up well. You can follow another spiritual leader. That's another option. But that gets really bizarre. We could go through the 12 religions of the world right now, but we don't have time to do that. But it gets a little strange. 
uh, especially New Age. For those that are in the New Age, I don't mean to offend you. Those listening online, don't mean to offend you. But Jesus says you're lost if you're not following him. And you can't redefine him the way you like him. Jesus defines himself. And he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. He is the physical Son of God, not some weird um, consciousness. Last night we were looking on the web because uh, somebody recommended my wife to connect with somebody. And she looked up this person's uh, website and they had a New Age website with a school that they call Me School. I would run so far personally from Me School. I, I was in Me School. I was already in that school. I graduated with honors. I had a Ph.D. in Me School. Jesus sets us free from ourselves, and then we follow him, and then we find out who we really are. And that is not a platitude. We're going to look at that in the Word. So let's go to John chapter 1 as we break open this new series on following Jesus. Why would you want to follow anyone else when you could follow the Son of God? He is all-knowing, always present, all-powerful, and all-loving. He overcame death. He's the most compassionate, the most selfless. He has no condemnation for you whatsoever. He understands you and he loves you. He's perfectly clear on every issue in life. He lacks no information. He does not need the internet. He's promised to be with you wherever you go. Let's go to John chapter 1 and let's look at Jesus calling his first disciples. It's in the New Testament, right? Let me find this. John chapter 1. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God! This is, this is uh, John the Baptist, who just got his first revelation that Jesus, is his cousin, is actually the Son of God. So by the Holy Spirit, John is saying, The Lamb of God! The two disciples heard him speak, and they did what? What did they do? Say it. Oh, church. Come alive. Let's do this again. The two disciples heard him speak and they. It's right there. And they did what? Followed Jesus. There we go. Thank you. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? Isn't that great how Jesus Jesus doesn't force us to follow him. He asks us. He baits us. He asks inquisitive questions. What are you seeking? What do you want? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say translated teacher, where are you staying? See, they were hungry. They wanted more. He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found him... He found his own brother, Simon, and said, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. Now, you've got to understand the explosion here. We're talking 4,000 years, 2,000 years that these guys waited from Abraham to now. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come. So this is crazy news. We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, now catch us. We're going to come back to this in a minute. He said, you are Simon, present tense, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means it's translated a stone or solid. 
The word Cephas means a reed that's easily bendable and flex. Not, not a good thing. You're swayed by the wind, going any direction. He said, but you shall be solid as a rock. See, Jesus knows you. He knows you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. He's the best coach, the best parent, the best teacher, the best friend you will ever have. And he knows how to get you from being weak and tossed by the winds to being as solid as a rock. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said, what did he say? Follow me. Uh, You don't want to go through that exercise we did a minute ago, right? Let's try this again. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, (laughs) I love unprovoked enthusiasm. Now, Philip was born from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who Moses said in the law, and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So here's the cynic. Philip said to him, Come and see. That's all witnessing is. You don't have to go through the evangelism explosion course. You don't have to go through seminary. All you have to do is tell somebody your experience with Jesus. That's what sharing your faith is, what Jesus has done in your life, what he means to you. Then you say, come and see for yourself. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and Jesus said, behold, an Israelite in whom is no deception. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. In other words, Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way to heaven. You come through me, you're going to see unbelievable things. I just had a little word of knowledge that you were under a tree and I know your name. That's just the tip of the iceberg when you follow me. Woo! <laughs> and somebody said religion's boring. Well, everyone except this one. All right, so why should I follow Jesus? Four reasons. Number one, because of his divinity. If you're going to follow a spiritual leader, why wouldn't it be the Son of God? And I'm just going to leave that there. We've already done the Christmas, God with us, God incarnate, Jesus is God. And if you have doubts about that, let me give you just some food for thought real quick. If you doubt who Jesus is and you read the Gospels and the things that he claimed about himself, that he was the Son of God and God in the flesh, and that he's the only way to heaven. When you read these things, these aren't, these aren't people talking about what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. And these are recorded not just by the followers of Jesus, but by historians that have tested the authenticity of the Gospels and have said they are the most reliable document of any document in antiquity. And so when you study the Gospels and you see what Jesus said about himself, there's only three options for you. One, he's a liar because he knew he wasn't God in the flesh, but he said he was. Or number two, he's a lunatic because he's not, but he thought he was. Or number three, he's Lord. He is who he said he was. And the resurrection proved it. So when you study out the resurrection, you realize 
that it's a lot easier to believe that Jesus rose from the dead than not believe if you look at the evidence of the resurrection, which we've done messages on that. You can, you can find that in many places, looking at the apologetics on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, I believe Jesus has raised from the dead, and that he is alive, and that he is walking, and I want to follow him. Amen. So, secondly, why should I follow Jesus? One, because of his divinity. Number two, because he is the only one who knows your true identity. I mean, look at this with with Nathaniel. He told Nathaniel what his ethnicity was, his nationality. An Israelite. There were all sorts of ethnicities and nationalities around them. I mean, there was there were there were nations surrounding the whole uh, the whole Middle East region as they are today. And he sees this guy coming. He says, uh, "An Israelite, and your character is impeccable. You there is no guile in you. You like things to be real. You don't like manipulation. You don't like people blowing smoke." And Nathaniel said, "How do you know me?" Then with Simon, he says, you're Simon, and he tells him his name, and I know who your dad is. And then he says, and you're not all you can be. In fact, you're, way, you're living way below the divine level that I've created you for and the purpose I've created you for, and I'm going to show you what it is. See, Jesus knows you. He made you. Look at this passage in the book of Colossians. This is Paul the Apostle, who murdered Christians. He was a terrorist. And Jesus, the resurrected Christ, appeared to him, gave him a choice to either die or serve him. So he chose serve. And he got caught up to the third heavens by his own testimony. He saw it all, heaven and earth and hell. Paul saw the whole thing. Then he comes down and he says, there's a bunch of stuff I can't even tell you about because it will blow your minds. But he did write letters to the churches that he planted. And that's what the New Testament is. The letters of Paul, many of two-thirds of the New Testament, are letters that Paul wrote to his uh, new converts all around the world. And this is one of the things he wrote in Colossians chapter 1 to the church of Colossae. He wrote, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed, Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Jesus knows you. He knows your passions, your dreams, your fears, your failures, and he loves you. He knows your personality. He gave you your gifts and your talents. One of the... the, one of the worst things in life is to be gifted by God and use it for ourselves and then die. What a complete waste. That's why I preach so passionately to you. I, I care so deeply that every one of you live out your destiny. And that you're not deceived and fooled by the world, by the devil. And then you get to the end of your life and you look back and it was wasted. Because you believed or you were led astray by the shiny objects. You know, there's another track besides the natural cycle of life. 
What I mean by that is when you're a teenager, you're discovering who you are. And yet you see the teenagers in the Bible, and they're the ones that did some of the greatest some of the greatest miracles in the Bible were by young people, including the Mother Mary who birthed the Son of God. They knew who they were because they were walking with the living God. You don't have to be confused about your identity. That's one of the first things that you find when you meet Jesus Christ is he begins to explain to you who you are because he made you. Have you ever tried to open up a tuna can with a fork? I have. I went camping and I forgot the can opener and a good hunting knife because I'm a city boy. I don't know how to camp. So I tried to open up a tuna can with a fork, stabbing it like this because I was starving, right? And, of course, the can's not going to open and the fork's going to bend. Why? Because forks aren't made to open up tuna cans. And some of you are with the wrong person. You may be in the wrong career or you're following the wrong person and you're doing the wrong things and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're made... God made you and he gifted you and it was exactly the slot that you belong in for you to be fulfilled and to be a blessing to others and to see him on that day. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. Whoa, that was just a warm up. Let's go. And you at light speed somewhere. But you're with Jesus. Thank God he showed me who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. I was a rock drummer and that's what I was doing for my life. I was, that's why I came out to California. And one night I was going to sleep, and right before I fell asleep, he spoke to my heart and he said, Don't ever play drums again. I could not believe he said that to me. That was like ripping my identity right out of me. And then he put a pastor's heart in me and says, I want you to shepherd my people. And I said, No. (laughs) You might as well just give up because he will win that wrestling match. And it's wonderful when he does. Because then you are set on course, you're the divine course that God has made you for. What was I saying right before that? I thought I don't want to let go. Yeah. Tuna can. That's what you're walking away with today. That's your takeaway. Don't open up a can of tuna with a fork. This has been a profound, life-changing message. Yes, thank you. I knew I didn't want to move on. Thank you. All right. Okay, so in teenagers, you're trying to discover who you are. Without Jesus, it's going to be miserable because he already knows. Just ask him. And then you get into your 20s and you're discovering your career. Then you're 30. This is, this is life cycle. This isn't, I'm not making this up. And for those of you that are in your 70s or 80s, you know what I'm saying is true. In your 20s, you're, you're, dis, you're discovering your career. In your 30s, you're investing and sowing into your career. In your 40s, you're reaping from your 30s what you sowed, whether it's your family or whether it's your career or whatever it might be. And then in your 50s, you hit a midlife crisis because you've lived half your life and you look back and if it's not satisfying you, even if you were successful, many times this happens, the car didn't do it, the house didn't do it, um, the money didn't do it. The accolades didn't do it. And you find this hole in your soul growing wider and wider, and it's driving you crazy, and you can't figure it out because you thought that accumulation and acquisitions and accomplishments and praise was going to is, – is the American dream. 
Now, I love all that stuff, and I have fun with it, but it can't be what you're living for. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then I'll add all this stuff to you. And I'm telling you, my wife, I've had a lot of stuff added to us, and it's so fun. We have so much fun. We got stuff, and we like it, but the stuff does not have us. We've lost it all more than once, and we're still here, and we're still happy. Listen, you follow Jesus, and you lose your life. What's the worst thing that can happen? You end up with him in heaven forever. And their streets in heaven are paved with transparent gold. Their gold is our asphalt. Then your 60s, you start to realize, I only have a couple decades left to do something with my life. In your 70s and 80s, you're looking back and you're hoping that your life meant something. There's a whole other track than that track I just described, and it's simply following Jesus. He promises that if you follow him, you will never thirst again. And your life will be so full of purpose, passion, meaning. The search of significance is over. The search for identity is over. My wife, when she was a teenager, she was in a hospital with an eating disorder because uh, she, was, um, she wasn't fathered well. And so when she was in the hospital, someone introduced her to Jesus. And she found her identity not in controlling food, not in the lack of the love of her father. She found her identity in Christ and became a missionary. Now she's going through a Ph.D. program to help third world children all over the world. We've adopted a couple of them to talk about. Woo, man, I mean, woo, that's a far cry from being in a hospital with a eating disorder, isn't it? She met Jesus. He told her who she is and what she was called and meant to be and to do. And she's living large. That was a really weak amen on such a powerful story. I'm, come on, you got to do better than that. <laughs> and this cancer's not holding her down either. Have you been reading her blogs? It's like the Apostle Paul. So you follow Jesus, it's not always pretty. It's not what it's about anyway. We're not trying to live a cushy, comfort life. God cares more about your character than your comfort. He cares more about significance than, than, than the applause of people. And so the Apostle Paul gets thrown into a prison, beaten, whipped, just for serving and following Jesus. So what's he do? He starts writing letters. He had no idea they were God-breathed and they would become the New Testament that we're living off of. That millions and millions and millions and millions of people have gotten saved off the letters that Paul wrote describing Jesus. He couldn't have time to read those. He could, listen, he would not have had time to write those letters if he was traveling around preaching all the time. Woo. Did you catch that? Mufasa. Woo. And so in the midst of this cancer... My wife has had to stop going 169.5 miles per hour every day, and she has started to write, and wow, is she a writer. How many of you have read her blogs? Raise your hand. Uh, that's, 
Those are some good blogs. I read the right first, I read the first one and I said out loud at my computer, wow. And I thought to myself, I married way over my head. <laughs> you can look, you can see her blogs at Caring Bridge. I know you already knew that. I'm catching up to it. Caringbridge.org. Caringbridge.org and write in Hope at Tori and you're going to see all her blogs and wonderfully written about journeying through suffering as a woman of faith. So you can get off the treadmill and follow Jesus. It'll bring a lot more peace into your life than living for what everybody else thinks is important. Uh, Philippians 1.6, Paul says this, I am certain that God who began a good work within you. Everybody say good work. Okay, religion's a bad work. That's performing for God so that he'll accept you one day. Rules and regulations. The good work is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he enters your body, he lives inside of you, and he begins to transform you. I remember when I got saved, I mean, I was going out, I was partying, man. I was, I was just a, I was a professional heathen. And I got saved, I invited Jesus in, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't shake and bake and fall on the ground. Jesus just moved in. And then he starts like doing things in my heart. And I'm not even aware of it. And then <clears throat> my friends call me up and they want to go partying. And I didn't want to. So that's weird. I don't want to party. I want to go to a Bible study. I, it was just so strange. I was changing. I wasn't changing me. He was changing me. That's Christianity. It's Jesus living in us. And he's living through us. And so my buddy... Went to the Navy. He came back home from the Navy, and all my friends were buzzing, saying, Oh, Ettore's not going out partying with this anymore. And he's like, Ah, he's fooling you guys. It's a joke. You know, Ettore, he's a joker. So he calls me up in the middle of a Bible study. So, so the person said, John, it's for you. So I had to leave the Bible study. I wasn't teaching because I wasn't a teacher at that point. I'd only like saved like six months. And I go into the kitchen, and it's my buddy, Randy. He goes, Hey, Ettore, what's up? I said, shh, Randy, I can't talk right now. What are you talking about? I'm on leave. Come on, let's go out and party. Woo! I said, no, I can't. I can't go out tonight. I mean, you could hear the hurt in him. I mean, he just he's my best friend from high school. Why not? I'm in a Bible study. <laughs> Silence. And then, <laughs> I had to Come on, I'm going to come pick you up. I'm serious, man. Shut it down. I'm in a Bible study. Silence. He couldn't believe it. Five years later, though, he came to San Diego and visited me. And he said, I've watched you for five years. And he said, you're at peace and you're content and you're happy. He said, I've got ulcers. My life's not working. My girlfriend and I just broke up. He says, I need what you have. Isn't that beautiful? Woo! They thought I just became some Jesus freak and joined some no bad group and was traveling around doing weird stuff. He had no idea that Jesus is alive and real and he is the Son of God. When you come to realize that God is the source of your identity and worth, you no longer need the approval of man. This is one of the greatest places of freedom, one of the greatest points of freedom, one of the greatest reasons to follow Jesus besides you to go to, get to go to heaven and not hell. 
is you lose the fear of man. Look what the Apostle Paul said. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't serve the opinions of people and Christ at the same time. It's impossible. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't love me more than your mom and dad, you can't be my disciple. You think, dang, tone it down a little. That's rude. That's mean. No, he's God. He's love. He's not being mean. What he's saying is, if you don't love me more than yourself, he said, and more than your mother and father, then when it comes, when push comes to shove and you're making a, a life decision or decision which way to go, you, if you're not going to follow me and you're going to follow yourself or your parents or anybody else that tells you to go and do something different than what I'm telling you to do, you can't be my disciple. Not, I don't want you to be. You can't because you can't live two lives at one time. I don't know how far you can do the splits, but I can't do them very far before it starts hurting really bad. And that's what some of you are living like. You're doing the spiritual splits, and it hurts, and you don't have peace, and you live with anger and frustration and confusion. There's two, there's two paths that you, there's, there's two wars going on, and that war never stops. You have the flesh, which always wants to sin and always wants to do its own thing, and then you have the Spirit of Christ, and you say, hey, Let's go this way. Let's follow Jesus. And you're torn on the inside, right? And you've got to make the choice every day. Nope, I'm going to follow Jesus. Nope, I'm going to follow Jesus. Nope, I'm going to follow Jesus. And do that until you say, oh, hello, and you're in heaven. That's my plan. You know, there's a lot of believers on the broad road. Jesus said this. There's two roads you can choose. There's the broad road, which leads to destruction, and there's a narrow road, which leads to life. Do you know there's a lot of believers on the broad road? When Jesus talked about the lost sheep, do you know he was talking about uh, someone who was in the fold? He was talking about Israel. He was talking about God's people. And one of them went astray and went out into the wacky weed. You know what happens when you go into the wacky weed? You blow, you bloat up, and then you fall on your back, and your feet are sticking straight up in the air. Oh, ah, ah, ah. That's where some of you are. It's where some, many believers are. They've, got, they've stopped following Jesus, left the fold, and they're all bloated up, and they're on their back somewhere with their legs up in the air, and they're crying for help. And Jesus comes, puts you on his back, and he carries you back to the fold because he's a good shepherd. But why go out there? It's dangerous out there. You've got to follow Jesus. But the point is, the lost sheep was a believer. So we're going to talk during this series about how to follow Jesus. How? What does it mean to follow him? How do I stay on the narrow road? Jesus says this, no wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Followers should be the most settled, content, happy, fulfilled, loving, giving, secure people on the planet. And then when you come to realize your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone, you then step into his track and let him dictate your future. Why? Because he knows your capacity and your ministry. And I've got to speed up. We're going to wrap this up. He knows your capacity and your ministry. What do I mean by that? When he saw Peter, Peter was a fisherman and his name was Simon. But he knew that Peter's real calling was to be an apostle 
one of the greatest leaders on the planet, and he was going to be solid as a rock. Where at one time, he's professing, I'll never leave you, Jesus. And yet, when he was tempted the first time, he blew apart like a cheap watch and said, I never even knew him. I don't even know who Jesus is. Well, later in life, he was so bold and resolute in his following of Jesus that he allowed himself to be crucified and would not deny his Christ. And they're still making statues of him because he was so awesome. They wouldn't have made statues of a fisherman named Simon, making statues of an apostle named Peter. See, Jesus takes you where you are, and he transforms you over time into God who truly created you to be and do what he's really created you to do. Woo! I just like saying that. That felt good. Look at this. When he first met Peter, he called him Simon the fisherman and said, but your name will be Cephas one day. So he follows Jesus, and look what happens on this one day. Then Jesus turned and said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That was the day he got the revelation of who Jesus was for himself. Jesus turned and replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Remember he called him that a few years ago? Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Boom. That's the moment he had this transformation. Now I say you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Not Peter not being the rock, but the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. That's the rock he's talking about there. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Boy, that is some power. You can't know who you are until you learn who Jesus is. Then he tells you who you are. It's like a mirror. Little children don't know who they are. They find out who they are by the people around them. By the way you speak to that little child, the way you handle the child, the way you hold the child or berate the child, the way you provide for the child. You're telling the child what their worth is. So a child lives in a room of mirrors. There's mom, there's dad, there's brothers or sisters. And everything that they, they don't know who they are yet. They learn who they are by the reflection in the mirrors. That's why we have to honor one another with our words and our speech and our actions. Because we do not want to partner with the devil in tearing down God's creation. But partner with Jesus in building up those around you. But no matter how good the mirrors are in your life, until you meet Jesus and you follow him and he begins to reveal himself to you, you really can't see who you are until you see him because he's your creator that he speaks to you. So how do we follow him? There's a couple things you got to do that are non-negotiables in following Jesus. And uh, I'm going to launch this January 1st. I'll send out an email. If you're not on our email list, please go to uh, the Gathering Place, uh, info at gatheringplacechurch.org and sign up for 30 for 30. That's what it's called, 30 for 30. What that is is this. You cannot follow Jesus without being in the Bible, being in prayer, and in prophecy, meaning those around you speak God's identity into you through the spirit of prophecy. And so what I do periodically is launch what I call 30 for 30 just to jumpstart, just to help. It's like being in a, uh, it's like, uh, uh, like Thor here. 
who is a bodybuilder, a trainer, if you want to get ripped and you want to get hurt bad, go to the gym with him and he will make you cry for your mama. Okay, but you will come out ripped like this. And he's, I, we've never worked out together, and he does not want to take credit for this at all. He does not want his name on this, so that was just a joke. But, but the Bible says that, that physical exercise profits little. Sorry, Eric. But godliness profits much. And the way that you experience godliness or you grow spiritually is through the word and prayer. And so I start things called 30 for 30, inviting you to spend 30 minutes every day in the word and in prayer. And I'm going to send you an email every morning for 30 days, starting January 1 through January 30. I'm going to send you an email that gives you a little punch, a little inspiration about getting into the Word and getting into prayer, then you spend 30 minutes, 15 minutes in the Word, 15 minutes in prayer, however you want to do it. I'll give you a little prayer, guys, to help you out to get yourself into a rhythm in the new year of being in the Word of God, being in prayer with God. And that's how you're going to follow Jesus. You can't follow Him if you're not in His Word and in prayer. That's fundamental. That's the basic. That's the starting blocks. So the Word of God is full of strength and words full of inspiration. Uh, and then we're going to end our 30 for 30 with an all-day fasting on January 30th, which is the Saturday, the last day. we come together from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. You can come as little as much as you want. I'm going to be there for the whole thing. And we're just going to fast together. And we're going to seek God. And we're going to set the course. I also encourage you to fast throughout the month. I'm going to fast one day a week for the, the next uh, four weeks, starting January 1. And then the last day, I'll fast with the whole body. Hopefully, we'll all fast together. Let's seek Jesus together. Let's follow him together into this new year. Let's see what he says to us. It's going to be a time of transformation for you. And finally, we follow him not only because of his divinity, not only because of our identity, not only because he knows our capacity and he expands it, but also because of the fact that he knows your destiny. You see, when people talk about destiny, that means a destination. The reality is your destiny is heaven or hell. Your assignment as a citizen of heaven and the earth is to bring heaven to the earth through your music, through your writing, through your teaching, through your loving, through your giving, through whatever you do, through your parenting, whatever you do, you're a citizen of heaven on earth, and you are following Jesus, and by doing that, you are releasing heaven on earth. That's what we do as citizens of heaven. That's your assignment. Your destiny is to go from, heaven, from earth to heaven. Your assignment is to bring heaven to earth. Destiny is to go from earth to heaven. But you have to receive the invitation. Here's what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you? Why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. This is Jesus talking, so that means it's actually happening. But right now, Jesus is in heaven preparing a room for you in his Father's house. But you've got to accept the invitation. So he turns to his disciples that he said this to and said, you know the way and the place I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, Peter, or uh, Thomas. I am the way. What's his name? Thomas. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. You're in one of two categories here today. You're either a believer in Jesus, but you're not following him. That's a dangerous place to be. You're on the broad road that leads to destruction. It's deceptive. The Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble. So believing is just the beginning. It's following Jesus. That is Christianity. Will you sign up for that today? I can't make you do it. Jesus can't make you do it. You've got to decide, you know what, I've been foolish. And I'm going to, I'm going to set things straight. I'm going to set things straight. I'm going to set things right. The end of 2015, going into 2016, I am not going to be a fool in 2016. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not going to be a lukewarm believer. I am going to decide that I am going to follow Jesus. Listen, he's not going to make you a weirdo. He's going to teach you, show you who you are, and he's going to empower you, and you're going to start experiencing what it means and what it feels like to walk with the Son of the living God. And then the other category of person here is someone who is seeking. You you wouldn't be here if you weren't interested, at least, in Jesus. But you've got to, you have to invite Jesus into your heart. He is not going to force you to give you him your life. The Bible says he's knocking at the door. He's knocking on your heart right now. Through this whole service, he's been doing this on your heart. And there's no handle on the outside. The handle's on the inside. You've got to open the door and invite Jesus Christ in to be your Lord and Savior. And if you will invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this morning, the Son of God is going to move in to your heart. He's going to live through you. He's going to transform you. You don't transform yourself. And he has said that anybody that comes to me, I will never reject. We close your eyes with me this morning as we wrap up this last message of this year. If you're here today and you are the believer on the broad road, you've been playing games, you believe, but you're living your own life. And you've been convicted this morning. This hits you right in the crosshairs of your heart. And you know it's true about you. God's being good to you this morning. He's made it very clear to you where you are. And he's saying, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Will you respond to him right now where you are? And just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And if you're here today and you've never followed Jesus, you've never asked him, you've never turned your life over to him before, and you want to do it right now this morning, with everybody with your eyes closed and you're connecting with Jesus for your own life, if that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand so I I know who you are and say, I want to invite Jesus Christ come into my life as my Lord and Savior this morning. I'm inviting Jesus to forgive me for my sins, and I want to start this new year with Him. I see your, I see your hand right here. Right there in the white sweater. Anybody else raise their hand and say, that's me. I'm asking Jesus into my life. I'm asking Him to be my Lord and Savior. Anybody else here today?
Raise your hand really high so I can see it. Okay. The person that just raised your hand, I just you just right off your lips, just pray this prayer. and Let's all pray this together. Let's all pray this out loud because we all connect with this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I am so thankful. And I dedicate my life to you right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I will follow you. And everybody said amen. Woo! We just opened up a brand new series. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. And uh, if you have any needs in your body, if you have any needs spiritually, you need a fresh baptism of power in the Holy Spirit, you want to give your life to Jesus, please, I want to come down and let's pray together. Any needs you may have, the prayer team's down here. This isn't perfunctory. This is a release of heaven on earth. So prayer teams, come down. If you have any prayer needs, you come down. Otherwise, God bless you. God pours out his goodness and he crowns the year with his kindness. So watch out for the kindness of God. See you next week.